want is an opportunity. This is America, ain't it? Who the fuck's stopping you? This is Bootlegging, where each week we will discuss HBO's original series, Boardwalk Empire. Grab a glass of your favorite libation, and let's do a little chin-wagging. And we are back. Uh, this is Bootlegging, a Boardwalk Empire podcast. Uh, this is your host, Colton. And today we have a very special guest on. We've been trying to work this out. It's been some delays, but it's because we're all the way across the pond at this point. And we have uh, Lazarus. Am I saying your name correctly? Yeah, that's right. Lazarus from London. How you doing? Hey, man. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Uh, you are going to be making this podcast much more fancy with that sexy accent. So... <laughs> I can't well, yeah, it's wait. good to be here, man. Thank you. <laughs> no, thank you so much. Um, now, uh, so before we get into the episode, um, you know, like, let's go ahead and kind of introduce you to the audience. Um, what is your uh, history first with Boardwalk Empire? Um, well, basically, I'm 24 years old, and in 2010, when Boardwalk Empire started, I was. So I'd have been 15 then, and I'd watched all the movies and all the series that everyone was going on about at the time. But a lot more often than not, they were just the standard Netflix series, you know. Um, and I hadn't really discovered HBO yet. So coming to HBO and finding Boardwalk, I mean, I love the gangsters. I love the 1920s era. You know, it's one of my favorites. Um, and from the pilot of the whole Boardwalk, I mean... right. What Scorsese did was a, a, a stunning piece of work of that first episode, and I was drawn into the 1920s, and right. ever since then I was hooked. Uh, I watched all of season one. When season two was coming out, I watched all of season one, then season two, and I did it all through to the end. So, yeah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now, um, so cultural differences, obviously. Um, you're in London, and I mean, you're in London, we're in America, this takes place in America. And... Uh, was the whole like prohibition thing like how much do you do you know about that was there anything like that in europe or in london at the time or is it something you've had to kind of research on your own well funnily enough i haven't actually done much research in terms of what was going on in england at that time but i've just started watching an english series on netflix called peaky blinders which is set in 1919 so it's almost it's parallel with boardwalk which as a boardwalk empire fan is amazing for me um the rum and the whiskey from what I'm getting in Peaky Blinders, I'm not sure if it was entirely illegal, but it was definitely frowned upon because all these characters in Peaky Blinders, the people in London, the people in Birmingham, they're all being very careful with how they transport it and how much they transport it. So I reckon, I don't think it was made illegal. I haven't even done that research, but okay. I think possibly it was connected and the police were taking a a leaf out of America's book and perhaps trying to push prohibition um, because, yeah, they all look very nervous uh, transporting and doing the dealings with rum and whiskey. And right. Anything. I've been watching – I've actually watched a little bit of that, that series. I've watched the first season of it, and I kind of just fell off out of it, and I don't even know why because it was so good watching it. Uh, it was just one of those things for some reason I didn't pick it back up after the first season, but I, I need to get back into that because it, it, that is a really good show. So, I mean, Cillian Murphy's an amazing actor, so I really like yeah. watching it. Yeah, And it is. It's really – it's very similar to Boardwalk Empire, so that's it cool. It is, but I mean what you were saying about – you know, not I did it as well. I watched the first three episodes. I thought this is great, 
And I'll tell you what I did. I went and watched Boardwalk again because it's because <laughs> I don't know. Boardwalk's just almost perfect for me, man. I mean, you know, I, I don't know if we're doing. I don't know if we can talk about spoilers in the future. I won't for now. But season five for me ended too quick. I wanted more of it, um, so I just yeah. went back to Boardwalk for more. Um, but then I decided to stick with Peaky Blinders, and it is very good. I mean, one thing that I'm not so hot on is the music in Peaky Blinders because they sort of they kind of force in that heavy modern rock and you hear some up to Arctic Monkeys and some Black Keys and right. I love the authenticity of Boardwalk with all that 1920s jazz playing. Oh, it's perfect. Boardwalk is fantastic for the it's, authenticity of its time. It is so... The music, the soundtrack for Boardwalk is so good. I can just sit there and listen to it again and yeah. again. It's so awesome. <clears throat> That's awesome. No, I agree. I agree. I agree completely. All right. So we're going to go ahead then and get started into this um, Let's do it. episode. So um, it's going to be a little strange for me. This is going to be the most sober I have ever been on an episode <laughs> for this for this time difference, it's it's nine twenty in the morning here. Yes, so three twenty um, p.m. in England. So it's it's generally <laughs> it's generally considered a bit early in England to drink at three p.m. So uh, I'm also sober. <laughs> well, it depends on the day here. If it's a Sunday, I could day drink, so it's all right. Yeah, but <laughs> exactly, it's Monday here as well. Uh, so that's the start of the week. You're not meant to drink at three p.m. on a Monday. Exactly. No. <laughs> all right. So we're gonna get into it then. Um, now. The title of the episode is uh, The Two Imposters. We've talked about this in the previous uh, podcast, the previous episodes, how the titles are getting more and more obscure on what their meaning is. Did you get anything from the title of this episode? Well, funnily enough, I thought about it. It was the first thing I thought of. When I, when I watch all these shows, I just click next. You know, you don't really think about the titles. But because you said we were doing this episode, I had to find it. And throughout the whole watching, I watched it this morning, I was um, I was trying to think, who could the imposters be? And you've got, I mean, I don't know. I, I personally, I think Jip Rossetti was an imposter in Gillian's, uh, in her place of business. And um, uh-huh. I don't know, Nucky could have been the imposter in Chalky. Yeah, that's... Yeah, probably. Well, then that. you have the two the two imposters with Lucky that are buying the heroin True as, as well, well. Yeah, yeah, imposters. I mean, I think when this, you think of the word imposter, you think someone um, breaking into a house, but it's just yeah, imposters could also be people coming in and messing about with your life. So yeah, exactly, those two guys definitely did with Lucky, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I I was going in. I was really trying to find stuff into it, and I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I was like. Okay, I was like, well, Jip's kind of an imposter. He's coming in making these promises, but everybody's like, there's no way he's going to be living up to these promises. And then you have uh, um, Nucky, and Nucky's been promising people things, and now it's going away. So that could be an imposter. Yeah, and sometimes there's Nucky a lot. can't promise. Uh, he can't, his promises are now not worthy of anything. Chalky exactly. says that a few times in the episode. So now the once m- most powerful man in New Jersey has been reduced to promises to false promises really he can't keep them right i think there's that line where chalky says no nucky says to chalky that maybe this is the part he realizes that his promises are false uh when chalky asks for babette he says how can i give you what i don't own so i think even nucky's coming to realize that he's full of false promises now exactly it's what he's been reduced to well and 
and, and we'll get into that. I, yeah, I was I was gonna about to jump into that. We'll get into that. Sorry. Yeah, no, exactly. No, 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 no. That's my fault. That's how my mind runs. So, no problem. Uh, no, problem. no, but th- that's that's a really good point. But that's the most I got out of it. I didn't get a whole lot where I could just definitively like come up with because they even spell imposters a little bit different than like how I would normally spell it as well. Okay. And so I thought that was kind of strange. It's kind of like um, what is that a um, Quentin Tarantino movie, um, uh, what is it, uh, Glorious ah, Bastards, Inglorious what is Bastards, it, something bad. Yeah, yeah and then the way that they, Inglorious Bastards and the way that they spelled bastards in it is yes, different yeah. than what you I would normally. You yeah, yeah. So it was just kind of strange to me on that. Now, the other thing that I noticed in this, and I don't know if you noticed it, but uh, me and my wife, we watched the episode twice. That as That's how we I normally do it. I watch okay. it once to enjoy it, and then I watch it once and I take notes. And both times I watched it, I noticed the way that this episode was filmed was so much different than the previous episodes. It was almost like this episode was like, I don't know if they had a different budget for it, but it was like a big budget movie, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you're right. What you said at the start, excuse me, is um, that you, I think you said we're going to follow three storylines, and that's what it felt. You know, when you watch a Tarantino movie like Pulp Fiction... Um, and it jumps between the three time, you know, the, the, all the different um, uh, time zones that the stories are in. I kind of get the same with this. It's focusing on the three characters who are now locked in a struggle for power. Nucky, Richard, and uh, Jip Rossetti. Um, right. And so, yeah, it was like a movie, just going back and forth. You know, there's so many characters that we didn't visit in this episode. You know, Arnold Rothstein, Margaret... I mean, maybe there was a right. or two here or there. I can't. I mean, I did watch it this morning, <laughs> but um, yeah, 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 yeah. It was pretty much like you said, primarily following the three stories um, of that episode, and yeah, it was definitely movie like. Um, yeah, very different. You're right. I mean, I haven't actually watched Boardwalk for a couple of months, so I only watched episode eleven this morning. So I haven't seen episode ten, nine, or eight um, in a few months. So I can't comment to that level of specificness, but. I right, agree, right, right. You know, as an episode alone, it felt like a movie. You know, I, I loved it this morning. It was like, I guessed and knew what had happened before, and then just followed on. So, yeah, fantastically done. Right. Well, and I know that, like, I when I was reading, one of the things I do when I'm preparing for an episode is I read about at the time period that the episode released live. I go to like websites like um, it's um, AV Club, um, IGN, and stuff like that, where people like like blog it live as it goes on. Okay. And that was something even people had noted that this was probably and and I agree this was definitely so far the most. And I'm I'm gonna use a word from our our normal co-host Chris. Um, this was a really explosive episode, mm-hmm. and but not just in sheer means of like the way it was filmed and things like that, but also just the amount of stuff that happens this episode is just, it's very, very, very fast paced yeah, compared to what we, what we what we're used to. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, people were commenting on it that it's just like, this is if, if not the biggest episode of this season, some people were even saying that they would consider this as of right now, the pinnacle of the best episode of the entire show so far. And yeah. I don't, I don't know if I would go that far because me personally, there's other episodes I like more. But I will say that this is probably – of this season so far, this is definitely the biggest episode. And I know that the next episode is also a really big one, uh, not to go into too much detail on the next episode yet. But it is definitely the way that this one was filmed, the way the story moved forward. A lot of stuff happened, and 
I'm just kind of surprised that the show took such a drastic turn. Um, but it's a good turn. It's a very good turn. You know, I'm really happy that they yeah. did this. It's just like, can, can we swear on this episode or not? Oh, it, it, say whatever the fuck you want, dude. Don't okay, worry about was, it. Shit, <laughs> shit gets serious. Shit gets serious for Nucky. This is where it gets yes. to the live or die point. You know, <laughs> I'm going to swear again. Shit hits the fan for Nucky. <laughs> um, yeah, it's very important. It's where, you know, I can't remember how long it is, but normally it's between 45 minutes and an hour, and this was a very important hour in Boardwalk Empire. I feel that the previous episodes... Let me just say something. Season 3 is my favourite, and it's driven by the villain that is Jip Rossetti. Yes. You've got the... The, the villains in season one, you know, if you can say it was a villain, was Rothstein. You know, he was just being a dick about the about buying, um, right. doing these deals. There was never an outright villain that someone just caused shit and havoc for Nucky and who needed to be dealt with. Enter Jip Rosetti, and I thought it just took the show to such a dramatic new level, and it right. was being paced well. You know, we saw the flourishes of Jip's anger and his violence. Um, but it took its time, and I liked it because it, you know, kept the other characters in the loop as well. It's not just a season about Richard, Nucky, and Jip. It is Boardwalk, it is Rothstein, it is Torio, it's everyone. But, yeah, I agree, this episode's completely different as it just shoots you into the main problem of this season, which is Nucky yeah. having Jip on his ass. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, so, yeah, without further, we'll go ahead and get into the actual story. Let's do it. Um, <clears throat> So the first, uh, the first half, we're just going to go ahead and talk about the little minor stories just to get these uh, wrapped up. We're going to we'll take a break, and then when we come back, we'll be talking about the, um, the, the big story, which is Nucky at the end. Excellent. And so we'll get, I, I want to start with the most minor of the two of the stories of this episode, uh, which is Lucky's story of dealing with the heroin trade, which yeah. it is kind of strange that – they had this story in here because the story didn't fit at yeah, all with anything yeah. else. Yeah, I wonder if they and, just thought, let's give them a break <laughs> from this drama yeah. with Nucky and Jip and Chalky. Let's give them a little break with something else as important, but not in the grand scheme of things, you know. Not a, Yeah, and it's, it is. It, well, and to be fair, Lucky's story this whole season is, it's. I mean, he's connected because he's connected through um uh uh jip you know because they're both they're both in the italian um, mm. new york scene and stuff like that Joe, Joe but the connection has a conversation with him doesn't he, he exactly he brings him into the yeah that's kind of an underling of him yeah, but then yeah. jip's gone out on his own to be with the jewish uh group which is where their tension now comes in mm, but yeah. um the whole thing is just it is it, it, it didn't fit with this episode but it was it was still a really good story yeah um yeah, i agree so he's – they're getting bigger into the heroin trade. He's meeting with these two people that are dealers. Um, they're going to be distributing and they're offering him – I believe it's – if I remember right, it's what? Five, f five pounds for $1,500 if I no, remember no, 15, correct. 15000 I think. 15000 Yeah, five okay. pounds for 15000 Okay, which – God, that's a lot of money now. Yeah. And back then, that's – I can't even imagine how much more money. Well, heroin um, just come in and it was just started hitting the streets. It was – premium exclusive product i think which is why right. it cost so much right well and he was saying it was even like straight from china so it was like i guess pure is what he was going at versus some diluted yeah, yeah, like yeah. ground exactly. up stuff or Absolutely. anything like that um now 
he, him and Meyer have kind of a disagreement over what, you know, the risk is on this, where Meyer is kind of hesitant to, I guess, I couldn't quite get where, why Meyer was so nervous. If, if it was the amount that they were going to be dealing or for the amount of money or um, what, what, what did you really get why Meyer was so nervous about the whole um, trade? Okay, we don't, we're not talking about um, stuff in future episodes, right? No spoilers. Right, yeah, yeah, we're trying to prevent cool. that. No yes. problem, no problem. I think in the previous, somewhere in the previous episodes, don't they already dabble in heroin? And Masseria tells him um, uh, that there's a meeting. Or no, Rothstein warns them, warns them against it, I think. And so I think Meyer and Lucky from this season are on thin ice, aren't they? They've done some bad deals, if I remember. And I think they're just trying to keep Rothstein happy. Or Meyer is anyway. But Lucky just, I think he, he wants to find his own way in the world. He wants to outgrow his boss he wants to become his own man right okay like. that's what i think anyway yeah. that's what i took from it that lucky wants to expand myers wants to play it safe i i can agree on that yeah i think a lot of it was also um i think if i remember correctly rostein is at this point rostein's not against it but he's not for it he's 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 i think his terminology that he was putting on it was that any good deal can be paused um, and you can go back to it later. You don't have to jump yeah. at it at that moment. Yeah. I think that was his his basic um, understanding of it. And then um, Maserati is more – he doesn't really want to get into it. He doesn't really like getting into the drug game. That's that not his – yeah, it's we call it, yeah, we nice, call it, nice. Mario Zara, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we mispronounced yeah. all of the names. <laughs> well, I think Maseria just wants um, – he's greedy, isn't he? He wants a cut of everything. Right, but he himself doesn't want to dabble in it. Now he'll take a cut of it, yes, but he doesn't. Yeah, you're right. But he you're doesn't want to get into it. Yeah, yeah. So that's how I was kind of understanding it. Um, but Lucky goes ahead with his own. Um, he's the one that he's going to be taking care of this on his on his own self, yeah. and he meets with the two buyers out. Which one of them, you know, he like talks about how he can't talk. You know, his, his throat has been slit at some point, and. Which is really kind of a cool, like, gangster character, if I'm not, like, yeah. <laughs> if I'm being honest. Like, he has to do everything by sign language. And not yeah. only that, like, what is it, like, Lucky says, like, so he says something kind of snarky. And then the guy, like, kind of looks at him weird. And then his partner's like, and he doesn't like your attitude. The mouth like of a, this guy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like the, you know, the uh, mouth of Sauron in Lord of the Rings. I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. <laughs> and the mouth of Sauron when he comes out and speaks for Sauron at the Black Gate. It's like this guy. Yeah. He's had his throat cut. He can't say anything. So he's got a, guy, a right-hand man, a bodyguard, to talk for him as well. To talk for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he knows what he likes and dislikes. <laughs> exactly. It's just like, I thought that was really cool how they set was, that yeah, up. Very cool. And it's and it's really and the best part of it is we find out that this is all just a ruse to begin yeah, with a trap yeah <laughs> and, and it turns out these guys I don't know if there wasn't the uh in well it's it's called the ATF here the alcohol tobacco firearms I don't think they're like they're the they're the the government entity or whatever that will bust people or the DEA they're not that I think they're a part of the prohibition department yeah. if I'm not mistaken that's what I think as well yeah um, and. They do explain They're, it next episode, don't they? Yeah, we, we find out more, but um, I think you're right. Yeah, right. And so they they bust uh, they bust Lucky, and we find out that the guy actually can talk, 
and this is this has all just been um, an undercover operation essentially to bring mm-hmm. him in. And so, um, like I said, yeah, we don't want really to get too much into the next episode. So, um, especially because my this is my co-host first time watching the show ever, and so that's why we're like we have to keep careful on what we do on spoilers. Oh, I don't really? know if he's so listening the to the pod. With that, is watching them new each time. Yeah, this oh, is his amazing. first. <laughs> yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's part of the fun of like as us, like as uh, for the podcasts that have watched this, the episodes, we've watched the show the entire way through. Brilliant. We know kind of. I don't remember everything, so this is the first time I've watched it all the way through in about three or four years. So everything's a little bit new for me, even on it. Uh, but for him, it's a hundred percent new. He has no idea what's happening. Yeah, yeah, wicked. <laughs> so um that's all i have on his story now for this episode what do you have did you have anything else on lucky's um it showed his just what i said earlier really that i think i just kept getting the feeling he he feels like he's outgrown maya he wants to do things for himself but at the same time it shows his naivety that he's a little brash you know he rushes into things i've um i've actually been I'm a huge fan of The Sopranos as well. I don't know if you have you watched Sopranos. I actually, I actually haven't. No. Okay, fair enough. Great series. It's actually one of my second behind Boardwalk for me. And there's a scene in it where even it was the episode I watched yesterday. Um, they say someone, someone in the, his gang's done something bad, and one of them says, uh, "Lucky's going to be turning in his grave because um, you know." Lucky's future. I don't think it's a spoiler. Right, right. But Lucky Luciano established the five families of New York. Um, right. So even in Sopranos, there's references to how he is the founder of it all. And I just like seeing in this episode his ambition to go for things. It didn't work. but And it was quite rushed, you know, against Meyer's uh, advice. But it's, it's the mistakes that he made to get where he was, you know, to get right. where he was in the... In the late twenties, you know, which was a very high position. So, right, yeah, it's it's a, b- a bad judgment from him on this episode, but it's showing the early stages of a man whose career was incredibly successful in organized crime. Oh yeah, I mean, cause, yeah, because yeah, to this day, I mean, you can just barely have an understanding of like the mafia and that like crime underworld and. I mean, Lucky's the number one name that you're going to know about. So, yeah, John Gotti, um, Lucky Luciano, Al Capone, those are the ones. Yeah, all of them, <laughs> the, the main names. Yeah, yeah, the big, the big ones. Um, so f- I, from there, then we're going to go ahead and talk about Richard's story because uh, cool. it's another very minor story. But this is Richard's story is going to be the way it ends. This episode is going to be a foreshadowing of the next episode that's going to yep. be happening, and so. It's a Absolutely. very big, big episode, a big turning point for Richard. Yep. Um, now, something random I saw, and I don't know why, the, in the, and when I watch a show like this, I, there's certain things that happen where I'm like, there's a reason they have to film this. Uh, when Richard first is uh, shown in this episode, he's pulling a key out of his pocket. And when he pulls the key out, he does like something with his hand and a bunch of sand, you know, comes out. Yes, I could yeah. not figure out for the life of me why they filmed it that way. I mean, I understand we, he's been at the beach, but I feel that there's another reasoning for it. Like, I mean, yeah, the most literal um, – I think the most literal thing you could take from it is that Richard's sands of time are running out. That could be what oh. they're showing. I, I don't know, you know, or maybe 
Um, again, we don't want to go into the next episode, but maybe his he's not happy. Um, I think we get that from this episode. He doesn't like what Jimmy yeah. is doing and how she's controlling him. And maybe that is the sands of his temper running out. I, I don't know. I agree right. with you. It was a very odd scene. You know, you, you're right. You've just been to the beach, but you don't envision someone taking out a key amidst the handful of sand, you know, and dropping the sand. Right, right, right. So it was, it was it odd, just... but that's the only thing I can literally take from it is that we are watching the sands of something to do with Richard running out his temper, his time, you know. No spoilers, of course, but, um, yeah, that's what I took from it. And I remember doing that the first time I watched it, actually, having thought about it. Um, that's what I thought, so, yeah. Okay. That, I like that. I didn't really think about it that way, And but now that you're saying that, I can I can definitely see that. That's a what good observation. What did you make of it? That's I really couldn't. I'm, like, watching it, and I'm just like, okay, like, he comes out. I don't know if it's his two lives or, like, I was putting it more. Maybe his two lives are kind of connecting. He's got this key to this house, but then the sand is every time he's with Julia, they've been on a beach, essentially. So his two lives are kind of merging into yeah. one, and yeah. he's having to, like, basically he's he can't. He can't let them stay together. The sand's falling away from the key. That was kind of how yeah. I was looking at it. Is nice that his two lives yeah. will never be like merged together? But I also think that that's also thinking too much into it as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, you got to think. You know, these writers are fantastic, aren't they? You know, these <laughs> guys—they're brilliant, and it's it's this kind of stuff that they that they do. And there's lots like this in the Sopranos as well. Um, just little things that on the first watch don't mean much, but then. When you watch it again and you know what's coming later, you're like, ah, I saw that. That was in that was foreshadowed, you know, four episodes ago. So yeah, you never know with these guys. But I like what you said. I think that's a nice, um, a nice thing to think. Um, and the and another thing is that he was he was in the war, wasn't he? And I don't know if there's ever been any reference to him right. fighting on a beach. Um, but he's at war now with Gillian, with uh, uh, Jip Rosetti's men in the place. Maybe the sand right. was a, a throwback to being on the beaches when he—I don't know—I don't know what part of the war he was. Yeah, in, yeah, but yeah. Again, it's probably you know, like you said, looking way too far into it. But this is what <laughs> podcasts are for, man, isn't it? This is so we can discuss. Yeah, this what is we it. This is it. so. This is exactly why we do free. it. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot. Like it was just it's like I said, it was very strange. I really like it though. I like I like this. The, even though I don't really understand it, I like this symbolism. Yeah. Like it's like it's like okay, this is kind of cool. Like how they're like I said, and this is kind of where I'll go to in this again and again. It's the way that they filmed this whole episode is just a little bit strange compared to previous episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now him and Jillian, they're not. And and like what I was talking about. It, to go back on that even with the the sand like how I was like how the two lives aren't mixing and you've and you already mentioned it as well um him and Julian they're not working out like their relationship whatever you want to call it is not it's she's she's getting jealous of his relationship with Tommy and as we've talked about in previous episodes and we'll go again and again and again and back to this Julian's crazy <laughs> and mm. that's the best so way you, we could describe it you've got to think she has the connection between her and Richard was Jimmy and Jimmy's no more, so exactly the, that that the thing that was connecting both of them. If they're you know two two dogs on a lead being held by one rock in the middle, then the rock's gone, Jimmy's gone. So now there's nothing really keeping them together um, emotionally. You know, I bet they both look at each other and think of Jimmy. 
Uh, Richard looks yeah. at Gillian and sees the mother. Gillian looks at Richard and sees the bodyguard, the best man. And maybe that's why she resents Richard now, because Richard wasn't there, according to her, to do his duty and save right. Jimmy. But, you know, we know Jimmy went alone and he didn't. He asked Richard to stay. He knew what was going to happen. Um, but maybe Gillian resents him for that, and she's trying to take it out on him by ruining his relationship with Tommy. Okay. And that's a, I can see that. I think it's more that she it looks at Richard and she sees that Tommy is going towards Richard more and she can't handle that because yes, Tommy that is her last a lot connection, this season, doesn't it? Yeah, I remember yeah, the it, circus with Julia, don't they? Yes. Yeah. And I that remember. is her she can't stand that because yeah. we we already know of her in in Jimmy's horrible relationship. Mm. And I think that she looks at Tommy as the almost like I think she definitely looks at it as, as it's Tommy obviously represents Jimmy but I think she also looks at it as this is the opportunity for me to try to raise my child properly which she's yeah, still not raising Tommy like, properly yeah she didn't like Ange did she not much and she didn't like the way they were being raised or they were raising exactly. Tommy um, so yeah you're right her chance to do it um, but yeah Tommy just gravitates towards Richard doesn't he and now that Julia the there's a there's a kind of mother figure in that trio of Richard um Tommy and uh, Julia. There's a mother figure, right. a father figure, and he knows Gillian's the grandma. Um, I remember, obviously, what happens in the next seasons. Um, right, right. And yeah, so yeah, I agree with you. It's that she's losing grip on Tommy. Now, the gang is kind of taking Gyps gang. When I say the gang, Gyps gang is uh, taking over her house at this point as well. Um, yeah. And now, obviously, like we're not going to get into it, but this is going to be a big factor in the next episode. Um, it's strange that, J- to me, the main thing I have on this is it's kind of weird to me that of all the things Jip does is he comes in, and we're going to get a little bit into the opening scene in a second of the uh, when we talk about Nucky's storyline. But instead of taking over Nucky's like apartment or his hotel room or anything like that. I thought it was kind of strange that instead they gravitate towards the Artemis club, Jillian's house. And instead they just take that over. I didn't really quite understand why it was, unless it was just the size of the place and the amount of men that he has. And I mean, and it's also women, you know, I guess it keeps his men happy, but it was kind of strange to me that that was where they uh, gravitated towards instead of trying to take over Nucky's, penthouse you know i i, yeah, I don't know i think i, I was kind of stranged out by it there's a line isn't he where jip says uh when he goes into the penthouse when he sends the guys in um and nucky and eddie have already cleared off um he comes in he says something he makes a remark about uh, he doesn't want to work in this shithole of an office or something oh that's, that's right he does the desk to the artemis club but that's right jip is a control freak have, yes, we must have seen the episode's gone, isn't it? When he has Christmas dinner with his family, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we see him being controlled and spoken down to by his mum and his sisters and his wife. Um, he loves to dominate women, and I think his thirst and lust for Gillian that might also have been part of his uh, his thoughts of going to the Artemis Club. I think he just wanted to be there so okay. he could dominate her as well. You know, it's a good, like you said, it's a good place to set up. He didn't like the penthouse. Women for his men, you know, keep them happy. But I think his lust for Gillian and 
wanting her might have also had to play the small part in his decision making. Right. I completely forgot he makes that remark. Um, yeah, you're right. That it's, yeah, it's something like the place is a dump or something like that. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. <laughs> That's right. And they move the desk. Um, they move Nucky's desk. Yeah, but, but he moves. But he moves the mat. Which it was kind of funny watching all these guys and they do like what every man does when we move into like a new place. Yeah, do the shuffle. So. And it was just, but that kind of even shows who Jip is, and I and I have some notes to talk about on that, um, on Nucky's story. But this even shows who Jip even is that he would move the desk into the Artemis Club. Like, it's the, it's I, I'll go control. into more detail he when wants, I talk about he that. He wants the hat. He wants the hat, doesn't he? he? Puts it in. He takes it from the glass cage. Yeah. He, he wants. He wants complete control. And there's one man. Um, well, two men in his way. One Nucky and. To uh, Masseria, Maserati for um, right. for not letting him go as apeshit as he wants. So he's <laughs> now been given the chance, you know, and it's in the last episode, isn't it? Masseria gives him the blessing and says, do what you need to do. And so he gets all the men, right. Masseria's men. And um, he's now, he, uh, the way I see it is the dog has been unleashed. They've, they've, let, yeah. they've let Rossetti off the leash and he is... Um, He's taking over, dominating, and putting himself completely in control. Absolutely. We've seen, and we've, and we'll talk about this more here in a minute, but essentially, you're right. No, you're exactly right. You, you They've taken the dog off the leash. We've seen Jip essentially controlled this entire season. Yeah, we've yeah. seen bits and pieces it's of him not outbursts. controlled. Yeah. Yes, but now this is full reign. It is, this is what Absolutely. Jip is. So, um, the last bit I have on this storyline is with Richard, and um, that's the last scene is he's been kicked out of the Artemis Club because mm-hmm. he was going to take Tommy out to uh, quote unquote walk the grounds, but he was really going to be taking Tommy to go to Jillia again. Yeah. So um, uh, Jillian kicks him out. They go. He is back at I guess his old flat or whatever it is, and <clears throat> we see him preparing with the he's getting his guns together. Now, yeah, what he's going to be doing? I mean, we we know what's going to happen next episode. Um, oh yes. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember when you first watched this? Do you remember what you thought he was maybe going to be doing? Or yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I see oh. the way in what Jimmy did when he. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to think a bit before I sort of say and try not to spoil anything. Um, yeah, you you see that Jimmy was ready to sacrifice himself and the way it's been presented this episode Richard is going to do the same for Tommy so he's loading up on the guns and you just see well he always has a very blank expression doesn't he but you see that he just he is focused and he knows what he wants to do and get done and you're constantly there's no other thought in my mind other than for Tommy that's that's, that's his motivation now isn't it Julia and Tommy Right, absolutely. Um, everybody else is just collateral damage, essentially, in his mind. Yeah, yeah. Even Jillian, to an extent, now. Yeah, she's she's, she's not on his side. All right, so that's all that I have for this first half. Is there anything else that you wanted to add? Um, no, no, all good. All right, sounds good. Uh, we're gonna do a quick little break, and when we come back, we're gonna be talking on the second half about the uh, basically the the entire adventure of Nucky in this storyline so um enjoy just a little bit of music and we'll be right back and she left me with a broken heart 
and it's all my fault. She cut too deep, now she left me scarred. Now there's too many thoughts going through my brain. And I'm taking these shots like it's Novocaine. And we are back from the break. Um, so we're going to go ahead and get into the second half, which is going to be the most, uh, the biggest story of the entire episode. Probably one of the biggest stories of the entire uh, series, actually, so far at this point for for an episode, for just one episode, you know. Um, but we're going to get into the, uh, Nucky and I kind of have it in here as Nucky and Chalky because that's kind of like where we're at because um, we have not really seen Chalky in a while like we've seen like little bits of him but this is probably the biggest story he's had and I would say this I'm um, definitely this season and if not like the last like three seasons like we, this is we're seeing his story is obviously going to be moving forward a lot more. Yeah, I mean, I always saw Chalky as a kind of a side character because, um, you know, he had stuff in season one with the Ku Klux Klan, didn't he? And some of his men got right. lynched, um, or season two maybe. But, um, yeah, so I always saw him as just a side character, a character to enable Nucky, you know, to help him out. But he makes, yeah, he gets into his own, especially this episode. And, yeah, again, no spoilers, but um, it, it launches a bit of a... A bit of a character arc for Chalky, doesn't he? Kind of takes off yeah. from this moment, doesn't it? Definitely, and um, I yeah, like it. Obviously, this is going to be coming back, and it, it's not even a spoiler to like say it because you can tell that the idea of this club of him taking over uh, Babette's that this is obviously something that's going to be happening, and and with a show like Boardwalk Empire. If he is owning a club, he's not going to be a side character like that's just kind of randomly mentioned and stuff like that. Like I just exactly. don't, I don't foresee that happening. Right, right on the boardwalk, um, right on Lucky's turf. Yeah, it's not going exactly. He's not going away anywhere. <laughs> no. <laughs> so uh, we'll just go ahead and kind of begin with uh, a Nucky's story because that's how the whole episode starts. The episode essentially starts where um, episode or the uh, last episode ended. Like it's literally where we're at right now is I would say an hour after the, uh, episode ten ended. I mean, because they're taking the box with uh, Daredevil's body in and out, you know. So, oh man, yeah, I wanted to right. talk about that. I just remember that was one of the most shocking moments for me throughout the whole of Boardwalk Empire. I mean, you kind of guessed it was coming, but it was done in a shocking way, you know. So, just to see him lying there, yeah, that was um, that was painful, and Margaret's yeah. shrieks and crying and yeah and especially how it was so ominous because it was at like three o'clock in the morning and i know it wasn't normal to receive a package but nucky and eddie were just acting so normally and then boom the lid pops open and uh yeah dead dead devil so yeah yeah and, scary well and then and then and then that's and that's it's oh, it's weird to sit there and look at it through the epi through this episode where they're taking that th that's how the episode starts is they're carrying the crate out and you're just like oh shit there's a body in that crate you yeah, know and like yeah. and then they're even talking like what they're going to do with the body and stuff and it's just like it's weird to look at it because because owen's been a big character for this season for the last two seasons yeah, really owen's been a big yeah. character for the last two seasons 
And and he's been in two his, arcs. He's been involved in Nucky's story and Margaret's story. You know, he's a central exactly. to Margaret's story. You know, they were going to run away together, weren't they? Right. And now to St. Louis. And now his character is, it's gone. Like, and it's, but at, at the same time, I kind of like how they do this because I'm like, and I and I understand that his character it, it's kind of like Jimmy. His character is still technically going to be around for a short little bit, you know. Kind of the same thing. Jimmy's character is still technically around, you know. We have never yeah. we're not going to forget Jimmy. Uh, it's yeah. the same thing with with Owen's character, but it's just weird to sit there and like see them just take that crate out. It's just like oh shit, like he's just. And I hate to say it like this way, but it's just kind of like he's going out with the trash almost. Yeah. And, yeah, but that's really kind of how it was with with this type of lifestyle because he doesn't have any family here, you know. Um, they don't want the body just sitting around and stuff like that. And so, unfortunately, that's kind of how this happened. Um, well, it was so unorthodox the way it happens as well. I mean, like I said, I've been watching The Sopranos, and The Sopranos is different, obviously, because it's set in the '90s and the modern day. Right. So the FBI are much more involved. So when a murder takes place, people in The Sopranos always do everything they can to cover it up immediately. And although the forensics and FBI and stuff weren't that involved in the 20s, I still think you, you know, when people died, they'd get rid of the evidence, hide the body, bury it. So it was right. really unorthodox for Masseria to send Owen back in a box. But in the end, this is the message he was sending out. Masseria was saying, don't fuck with me, Nucky. Like, don't try me, because I will send your bodyguard back in a box. And he did. And so huge message from Masseria um, yeah. with his intentions. Exactly. And so, at, and then at this point, Nucky is now asking uh, Eddie, you know, because at this point, Nucky now knows. Nucky knows that there was something going on between Margaret and Owen. Oh, yeah. Just that show how she reacted. Margaret, and he kind of, he, he's, he's, he's surprised. He, set, he takes a step back and looks at her because she's just, yeah, uncontrollable. I mean, she's, she's lost the love of her life is how she's acting, yep. you know. And, and it's that's when it clicks to him, just like how... I guess distance he's been from his his family, and it's and it's not like it's like I I feel bad for him because I mean he's he's been distanced from her because he's been off with somebody else, you know. So, but it's just now this he I guess it was the shock of he never knew it. It was happening right before his eyes, and he didn't even see this. And yeah. he's obviously mad at Eddie, or yeah, he's kind of mad at Eddie because he's basically wanting to know if Eddie knew. That's more what he cares about at this point is if Eddie knew or not that it was going on and why Eddie wouldn't tell him. And obviously yeah. Eddie doesn't. He doesn't know give a straight answer, does he? He doesn't. Because he, Eddie knew. Let's be real. Eddie, yeah, or he I suspected. So. He suspected at the bare minimum. There's a few uh, times, not where he catches them, but he, he comes into the penthouse and they're there together. Right. And they're having some conversation and Owen turns because he sees Eddie in the room. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think Eddie does know. Yeah, he knew that there was at least – I don't know if he knew the extent of what was going on, but he definitely knew there was something happening. Um, right, I mean, yeah. Eddie's, Eddie's not an idiot, you know. I mean, his whole life is he's supposed to know what's going on in Nucky's world. I mean, that's that's what he's there for. Exactly. So um, – he, and, he, and that's the reason I feel he doesn't get a straight answer. But his whole thing he tells Nucky, though, is still his main goal in life is to serve Nucky, which it is. Like, he's yeah. loyal to Nucky. It's also kind of tragic as well, you know. Um, yeah, we, we we learn more about Eddie, um, but it's it's tragic that he's taken that his life has been reduced to serving Nucky, and he's here right. dying for him. 
Like he's on his deathbed, essentially, you know. Yeah. Until uh, until we find out what happens in the rest of the episode, but he's on his deathbed, waiting for. Uh, he's on his deathbed because he took a bullet for Nucky. Um, right. And you still don't feel that Nucky really kind of gives him the credit he deserves. Maybe at the end of the episode, but certainly straight away, you know, rather than caring for him, he's like, he's like, oh, I told you I didn't want you to do this for me. And it's like, <laughs> Nucky's right. just so used to him. He's taken him for granted. And yeah, I think, that was tr- I think that was put through in this episode that Eddie should not be taken for granted. No, absolutely not. And... Well, and so what happens is Gyps people, Gyps group, they storm, you know, we, we see them, they're storming the penthouse. Yeah, that was thrilling, yeah. And we get to see Nucky being a badass for, like, one of the first times ever in, in this series, you know. I loved it. I loved it, because I think it's the part, I, I kind of envisage, uh, envisage him um, in his younger days. Uh, not, not, yeah, no spoilers, but. Um, right, 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 right. We see him. I, I, I have. I have a feeling that that's what he was like when he was making his way up the ranks of organized crime. Like you know, he'd be the guy you'd send to go and kill someone. You know, where he kicks the door and then blasts the shotgun through it. I'm like, that's yeah. That's not the first time he's done it. Like, no, you know that that's a no. tactic <laughs> he's probably used before somewhere. <laughs> well, and the, yeah, because I was like, the, the, even like the way you see him do it, he shoots once in the lower end, and then he shoots again in the higher, and it's like, yeah. okay, he knows what he's doing. Exactly. Like, yeah. His badass, like seeing, yeah, yeah, potentially what Nucky was as a as a young adult doing this. Yeah, it was really. It's like cool. one of the f- one of the few times we can actually say Steve Buscemi is a badass, and I'm terrified of him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so is he behind that door when he shoots the first guy? It's just such a great shot, like precise. Yeah, he, just, shot, he comes just out from like the, the shadows. Essentially, he's hiding yeah. in the shadows. He gets the dog to essentially be a decoy because that's what he's doing. He makes the dog a decoy, and he comes out pops the dude in the head and then he shoots the shotgun at the other guy and then he's fighting with the one guy over the shotgun and still manages to beat the guy and uh, take him out as well yeah you look at Nucky and everyone obviously you know Steve Buscemi himself as an actor is aging Um, he's got wrinkles Uh, listen he's brilliant but we know he's not like the most attractive guy so any sort of wrinkle on him is just gonna make him look older so we kind of get, and as the, as Boardwalk goes on, you kind of see the fragility of Nucky come in to his own, you know. Um, right. I, I think there's another episode somewhere in the five seasons where he's, he hurts his back or something, or he's out for a few days, and you just kind of get the sense that he is yes. an aging, um, aging emperor of a of a of New Jersey of Atlantic City. And, right. But. All of that goes out the window in this episode because he just like, fights that one of Rosetti's guys, <laughs> holds him off, and does the, it ends up killing him as well. So it shows also what you can do when your life is under is under threat. Exactly. Yeah, it's a fight or flight, and he's definitely yeah. going to fight. So uh, they make a run for it. They get out of the um, the uh, the Ritz and they take off, and that's when we find out that Eddie's been shot. And so they go to the one place that they think they're going to be safe, which is uh, Chalky's neighborhood. His family, I guess I would almost say. Um, even though they I mean, go it's to not the hospital first. Oh Lucky, yeah, that's right. He's like uh, he goes. Uh, one of the wings is fucking named after me. <laughs> yeah, he? He's like, to tr- he's like <laughs> the doctor looks at him. He's like, what do you want? And he grabs him, doesn't he? My throat, and he's, he's like, one of the wings is fucking named after me. And he, um, <laughs> but then he sees the two guys coming, doesn't they? And so yeah, then they go to Chalky's. <laughs> Which is so it's it's so random. It's just like he's driving up to a hospital, and then these two guys come out of nowhere, and then they're shooting at it, and he's just like, "God damn it, I got to keep driving." And it's just yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
don't know, it was kind of random. Like it's kind of weird to see that. It's just like how are there no cops involved in this at this point yet? But then again, it's because it's, yeah. I guess it's Atlantic City and the cops aren't going to get involved. I think they had to show that because um, before that, like minutes before that, when Rossetti comes into the office. Uh, Tonino says to Rossetti, he says, um, we've got we've got eyes everywhere. Um, yeah, he's, I think we've got eyes for Nucky all over the town. So I think the hospital scene was um, to show that there was literally no place they could go. Rossetti's member at the right. hospital waiting for him. And you're right, the police aren't going to get involved. You know, Massarea's probably paid them off, or Rossetti has, um, or scared them off as well. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I think you just, I think it's just a little, what was it, three minutes just to show... He can't go anywhere. He's stuck. And then right. that kind of forces home more the fact that where he ends up going is Chalky's, who he now needs the most, is his only friend left. Right. And it's, yeah, it's the one place he's going to feel safe at this point. Uh, and now, while he's with uh, Chalky, uh, this is where we get started with um, when we get to see his future possible son in law um, comes back, which, okay. Samuel, so this was yeah. kind of. St- this was kind of strange to me. They bring him in, and he didn't have a scar. I kept expecting, like, okay, so I don't know if oh, you remember yeah, at the beginning got, of this. Slashed, didn't he? Yeah, and I was like, why didn't they? Because that could have been like a nice little badass, like point, you know, that he has this scar now. But he's like, clean. And he's a good-looking guy, but he's like clean. Like he's like his skin is immaculate, his hair is nice, and I was just like. Wait, I was like, why does it, and I don't, and I, this is probably just the inner, like, film nerd in me, but I'm just like, why didn't they have a scar on him? You know, because, like, Chalky has that badass scar on his face, which yeah. the actor really has that, you know, and I'm just like, I don't understand, like, wh- why they wouldn't do that. And th- th- that's, uh, it's me nitpicking, I get it, you know, th- that's just what I'm doing on this point, but for a show of this caliber, I was just really surprised by that. Um, this is something I wanted to vent, I guess. <laughs> um but they bring in his uh, his future son in law, and he is uh, basically coming in. He's he's he talks. He's a student. He's he knows what he's going to do, and they need to get him drunk, and they're going to perform the operation on him. Um, but they don't have ether, so they're just having to. I think he even says they they take him to the line of alcohol poisoning, if I remember right. Yeah, so. they get him so drunk <laughs> that Nucky uh, says he uh, should I give him some more, and Samuel's like, we're bordering on alcohol poisoning. <laughs> But it's true. I mean, they had to get that drunk, you know. They had to get him um, <laughs> drunk enough to stop the pain. You know? Right. Well, I mean, because oh, I can't even imagine. Like, not only has the guy been gut shot, now you're going to be, you know, obviously sticking that stuff. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't even want to know what that's going to feel like. Um, yeah, yeah. So they're perform in the middle of, and then this is when it comes up that while they're in the middle of performing this operation, this is where Gyps people show up. And we get probably one of the better scenes. Um, I put it down. It is one of my favorite scenes of this whole episode. Jip and Chalky talking. I love this. I love the actors that are doing it. Just the setup, the environment, the contrasting of the men on each side and stuff. It was an amazing scene. It just, I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know how to talk about it more. Like just everything that they talk about. Like from from the moment when he comes out, when uh, Chalky comes out, and Jip even tries to be per, like polite, and it's like, "How do I address you?" And uh, Chalky's like, "You already are." Like, 
Yeah, just yeah. The, oh, I just I love Chalky it. Chalky knows what's coming. <laughs> Chalky knows he's he's trying to he's going to be bribed. He's going to be someone's going to try and be sweet to him and get in on his good side and everything. And he's just he doesn't take no bullshit, Chalky. So um, no, <laughs> straight down to it. Uh, you're already addressing me exactly. <laughs> So it's just a really good scene seeing them um, going, going back and forth. And then I even like how um, Jip even kind of j- tries to basically tell Nucky that they're or, or tell Chalky that they're one and the same with the little like it's not a very good joke, but the joke about how they both got left out in the sun too long um, yeah, because yeah, in that time period um, in New York, um, you know the Irish weren't liked um, if you were black, you weren't liked. And the Italians weren't liked. And the Italians, a lot of people at that time period, they reviewed Italians because they have a darker complexion, that it was kind of the same thing as them being African-American. And in that history in America, obviously, there was a, lo- a lot of racism. And so that, I think, is what he's trying to go at. But even Chalky's just basically like, yeah, no. And he even says I, he, he got a little more done. Or he wasn't done cooking, I think is what he said. And because yeah, Chalky's essentially saying we're not the same. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. He says um, he says one of us got left out in the sun too long. And, and Chalky says yeah, some of us aren't done cooking yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, that was great. I mean, what you're saying about the at that time, the historic, um, what went on in the past is that, there was this divide, there was these minorities, but I think you if you were to hierarchy it, obviously it's not nice now looking back at how it was, but if you were to hierarchy it, uh, Italians would come above black people. But like what you said, yeah. Jip is trying to get in with Chalky, trying to yeah, get in on the act by saying, listen, we're both minorities here, none of us are American through, through and through. You know, he's saying right. none of us are the, we're not the white people who are ruling it. You know, look at Nucky, pure American, pure white, this, that, and the other. He's ruling this, right. but now it's our turn. It's the minority's turn. Um, and it's interesting, because Chalky is a character, I mean, I can't comment because I don't know how many black people were in the pa- were in the position of power that Chalky White is in, um, you know, during the 1920s. Um, right. So, yeah, I haven't done the research, so I don't know what the numbers are, if there were... Um, any, but it's fantastic to have Chalky as a character in because he does, and even, I mean, you see the way he lives and the way, the, the kind of places he owns. When Nucky goes and wants safety, he goes to a house that's pretty well built, well fortified, um, but Chalky's got a little hut on the outskirts of, you know, Atlantic City, and it, there's still the right. divide. You can still see the divide, um, but it's kind of... I don't know, maybe it also shows the how helpful Chalky can be, because he can, everyone else is grappling for power up at the top, and although Chalky right. wants Babette, um, he's now, he's the only one not involved in this, in this battle for power, because I wonder if he kind of thinks, well, that's all the pure Americans, pure white people are battling for. He's happy. He just wants to make money, doesn't he, Chalky? He's he's just yeah, that's cares it. about his family. Just wants his family looked after himself, um, his men, and then he can get on with life. So it's really interesting that Nucky comes to Chalky and then Jip, because it's it's yeah, obviously it's horrible to say with thinking about the context of what happened in the twenties, but it's turned on its head now that the two white guys are going to Chalky. Right, especially during this era, you know, this is this is what I'm saying. Um, yeah, that's it, really. The, it's 
it's fantastic that Chalky is now coming into his own and that his race now has no part to play because they both need him for his business, essentially, you know, for, for, for his allegiances in the business. Right. No, that's and that's what it is. It's, it's at this point, Chalky is probably the most powerful person in their eyes because yeah. whoever can get <laughs> him, they get his army because Chalky has an army. You know, he has his group Big, of men yeah. that are very loyal to him because Chalky's done a lot for the for them. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I mean that to prison the point, scene when, when is that in season two? Exactly. Yes. Where Dumpernsley's like trying to insult him, and then he said, "What he says, uh, Leon." How was that turkey I gave you for Christmas? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. oh, I was sure and it was good, your, Mr. Yeah, how's your mama doing? And everybody starts standing up. Because <laughs> yeah, so that's good. who he is. That was fantastic, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, now I mean, he helps people. You're right. And yeah, and I mean, he's a, he's powerful enough even in this point that Duns is now working for him. And yeah. Duns is yeah. kind of his right-hand man. So um, he's definitely the, the most powerful. But And we see that he is showing a loyalty towards uh, Nucky. Because yeah. now Nucky's being honest with him, and as we've already talked about, Nucky was told him the truth. I don't own Babettes. I can't give it to you. Yeah. And so I think that at this point, Chalky sees who Nucky is. And he, this Nucky has treated Chalky very well. He's He's been very respectful. He's treated him as an equal most of this time. Not not a complete equal, I'll be honest. I mean, we and we've seen that. Not a complete equal, but he's probably treated Chalky better than most of the people in power and stuff like that at that time period. Uh, yeah. And to the point that I think what uh, JIP offers 25,000 or tw- it's either 2,500 or 25,000. I can't 25, remember how much yeah. uh, substantial. for a, a substantial amount of money. And especially to Chalky's men who like are probably living in shacks, essentially. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine what that kind of money would do to somebody back then? You mm. know, so yeah, but none of them are, are giving up. Uh, Nucky, and they're because they're showing their lo- now they're talking about it. You can see them contemplating it, and there's you know, a point, especially isn't there, where, Ch- where Chalky says to him, um, It's a lot of money, and he says, Not me, but my men. Yeah, and I think does, I can't remember, but he asked, Does he ask Nucky a question? Although that's when he asks for Babettes, isn't it? Because he's then, Yes, this is where he's saying, I'll get my men to not give you up as long as I get Babettes. I think that's how it goes, isn't it? That's essentially, yeah, that's essentially how it is. Because uh, he'll he basically will make man. sure his men get taken care of. So, um, <clears throat> so we see that um, the the operation is a success. Uh, Eddie makes it through, and uh, this is when we find out even a little bit more about Eddie as a character. We find out he's married. He has children. We 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 have oh, not yeah, known that in first time. Nucky Nucky's never that. asked. He's exactly. Never asked. This is, is what so I was saying sad. earlier about taking him for granted. Yeah. God, you, the, man, the man you see every day and you don't even ask a nice wife or... Well, you, you don't even know he has a wife. You know? Yeah. You don't know anything about him other than his name, his first and last name, and then that's it. Like, that's... Yeah. It's so sad to think that he's that... Uh, that he looks at Eddie, I guess, with that low of a level. Yeah. Which is... I mean, because Eddie, this entire time, Eddie's been kind of the comic relief, you know? Um, he's been, like, this little side character that we've... And, it, and us as an audience, it also kind of makes you wake up a little bit where you're like, man, I never even thought about it. Like, but you know, and what, we're getting to see more. Yeah, this is what um, HBO do so fantastically. And again, because they're similar, I'm going to relate it back to The Sopranos. Um the Sopranos is about Tony Soprano, a gangster leader dealing with his personal life. But you go into parts where you see um, 
where you see kids from hit, so Tony Soprano's kids children in their friendship groups who go to school with his kids they're at home uh-huh. saying I can't he, he, one of them plans a fight with Tony Soprano's kids and the dad's at home saying you can't do this son and even when they get he sees Tony at a, um, at a garden centre and Tony goes to say hello and he backs off and it's it's about it's about more than just the one character. It's about the lives right. of the people that this character influences, and that's exactly what it's like with Eddie. It expands because the first two seasons is Nucky, Nucky's business, Nucky's personal life. But now, like HBO do so well, it expands, and you see how the business dealings and the personal life and the the greediness of these characters, like Nucky and Tony Soprano, affects the rest of the world. And Eddie's story is fantastic. Um, I think it's you're right. He's gone from comic relief, and we're not going to say where he goes, but um, or where his story goes right. rather. But it's, it's it's brilliant. One of my favourite character arcs. Um, yeah, very yes. very cool. And it was lovely to, like you said, the movie. Every movie, you know, you said this episode was like a movie. Every movie has its personal moments, the the sad moments, right? And um, even comedy movies. You know, I watched Shaun of the Dead the other day. That has the sad moments. Um, it all it has to happen because you've got to connect the audience to a certain level and make them right. feel sorry for these characters who's potentially about to die. You know, Eddie's on his deathbed, and um, the moments between Eddie and Nucky were lovely. Really bad on Nucky's part. You should have known more about Eddie, but um, that was their first kind of connection, wasn't it? As in the yeah. first time oh, this they is really a, saw each other as just two men who need help, both of them. Right. Well, and then this is obviously, again, like you said, we're not going to get too much into it, but this is obviously we see that we're about to learn a little more about Eddie now, maybe as as this um, series goes along for a little bit. Um, and this is kind of like maybe the start of learning just a little bit more. And I think that that's a really cool, like, I'm, 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 I'm happy that we're seeing this, you know, cause like I said, yeah. this has been a fun character. Now we're learning, we're, we're making the character real at this point, which is good. Yeah. He's not um, just, yeah, he's not just a character. He's not, he's not just a side character. Now we see his, we see the importance of him in Nucky's life. Right. So, uh, at this point they're helping him out and he's, he's good to go. Um, we get to see now that um, uh, Nucky is. I put it. He's half asleep because he hasn't slept this entire time. Nucky's yeah. been yeah, he's tired, on the he? run. He's tired. I mean, because even Jip says something at one point about how his men been going since midnight. So that means Nucky has been at this point. Nucky has been awake since they found Owen all through the night, all yeah. through the day. He's been through a bunch with Eddie and this operation. It is now night again. So N- yep. at this point, Nucky's been awake for, let's just say, 24 hours. But this yeah. is probably the mm-hmm. worst 24 hours of his entire life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I can't imagine how mentally drained and physically drained he is at this point. I mean, I've been awake for 24. I've been awake all over. I mean, I imagine you are the same way. We, we've been awake for over 24 hours in a, yeah, at a time, yeah, so. you know. You're 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 tired alone if it's just like a long twenty four hours like you know stuff's going on or whatever. But then to go through everything that he's been through, I can't even imagine he would you would be basically almost hallucinating at that point. Yeah, and we kind of get to see to that. Stand, yeah, yeah, and that's what we get to see. So he's getting loaded into this truck, 
He doesn't know what's about to happen, if he's about to die, if they're about to take him to Jip. We have no clue. Nucky has no clue. Yeah. And while he's writing it, he's, he's, he's confused. He's disoriented. The same as anybody would be. You're riding in a truck. You've got a canvas over you, so you don't know exactly where you're going. And on top of that, you have this lack of sleep. It's kind of like everything that has been happening for this whole episode is hitting Nucky all at once. And I feel that that's what they're trying to convey when he's like, you see like he's like holding his eyes. He just doesn't know what's going on. I think it's everything that's happened is now, it's just this weight that's just like built up on him and he's finally having to deal with it. Um, mm. And we get to see that he's getting taken to, it's Jip's men. Um, and there, and you hear, I think Dunn say something about, I can't wait till I collect my reward or something yeah. like and then that. He pulls back the curtain. It cold, yeah, pulls it back, and we get to see another badass scene, and, and, and we get to see basically Nucky being who he is. He's hiding behind the crate, and he doesn't, you know, pause to uh, uh, kill somebody. Which, in doing the process, I think he saves Chalky essentially, because the guy is going for Chalky, if I remember correctly, that he shoots, and they have brought him in to um, basically show that their loyalty is towards. Uh, Nucky versus their loyalty towards Jip. Yeah, they've done something um, they can't take back now. They've killed one of Jip's men, um, and yes. yeah, now now there's no there's no um, question as to where their allegiance is now. They, they they've killed one of Jip's men, so they're with Nucky. Right, and so from there we are seeing he gets he goes to the only other place he can think of, I guess, that is safe, which is the uh the warehouse, which all this happens really fast. Like mm, like yeah. it's I, I like it sounds almost like we're jumping, but it's in the series this is or in the show, this is how it is. It's it's like and which I kinda like. It's almost like you are like Nucky at this point because you don't know exactly what's going on. And they jump and we find out he's kind I put down in my notes he kind of recruited Eli's oldest son I wouldn't call it yeah, quite recruiting it, him. It just but felt like, kind um, of. yeah, yeah, you're right. It was. I think this showed again his desperation. He needed to reach out to his brother's son for somewhere to hide. This is how desperate of a man Nucky is now. He's he's terrified. He's lonely. He can't trust certain people. You know, Eli was off. Right. In, um, Eli was off with Al Capone. Can't remember what he was doing there. He wasn't held hostage, uh, he? but um, it, well, it, uh, it took uh, 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 Yeah, but he was—he went to Chicago. Was he being held? No, no, no. He was going no? to recruit them. He's going to ah, recruit okay. them. But so he still didn't know who was on his side. If Torio no. had sided with Jip, then he, there's no Eli and no Torio. So this is what I'm saying. Nucky was desperate that he had to go to his his, his brother's son to give him a warehouse to protect them. It was, um, right. yeah, tragic and, and hard for him. He, his desperation means he needed to reach out and potentially put someone he loves in danger. And Eli's not, not happy with that, is he? No, and that's what we, yeah, that's what we find out. We see this group of people, and this is how the episode ends, is this group of people coming in. And we get to see at least Nucky being somewhat of a man where he at least goes out and he like gets in front of... Um, the Eli's son and basically yeah. tells him to run to leave, but I mean Eli obviously still isn't happy because it's I mean because his son is still in danger at this yeah. point. And I'm putting quotations on that. I did this on a podcast. Oh my god! But he's in danger <laughs> still at this point. Um, and this is where we get to see Eli comes back and he's recruited Capone, and this is where 
we're going to now see like, and I think that this isn't a spoiler alert or anything like this, but this is definitely Capone's been taking over slowly, but surely he's been taking over uh Gran Torino's empire. And now at this point, this <laughs> is, is where Torio? is Gran Torino. Torio? Yeah, no, we, we call him. Yeah. We can't pronounce names. He's Gran Torino. Sorry Brilliant. about that. No, um, no, no. I love it. I love it. Gran Torino. Cool. <laughs> he's, Capone has been slowly taking over his empire because he's leaving. Like, uh, 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 Torino's leaving. Like, he's out, you know? And now this is Capone's big moment where he's the, in in Capone's eyes even, he's the savior that's coming in. And he even tells him, he's like, we're going to sit down. He's like, I'm going to take, what is it? He's like, it's been an 18 hour car ride. He's like, I need a shower. I need a bite to eat. He's like, and then we're going to ter- talk about who I'm going to kill or something along those lines. He goes, and then we, and, and then we talk, I'm going to do my best American accent. He goes, uh, he, he says, I want a hot bath. I'm going to get some chow. And then we talk about who dies. That's there the line. Is. <laughs> we talk about who dies. That's the line as well. It's fantastic. So it's well delivered. better than my American um, accent. <laughs> Stephen Graham's an English actor and he's been in so much stuff over here. Especially yes. recently. He's brilliant. Um, as Al Capone, yeah, fantastic. Well, the only I've seen a few of uh, Capone. Um, uh, I've seen a few movies with uh, an Al Capone character in, and De Niro obviously tops it because he's De Niro. Right, yeah. But Al Capone, um, but Stephen Graham's one in Boardwalk is a very close second. It's brilliant. He's yeah, loads more Capone in seasons four and five, and it's excellent um but yeah he's yes capone's a great character to have as well a great person to have on your side he's he's on the rise torio's retiring um and this is a chance for him to gain some allies you know if he can help get nucky back into power who was already on good terms with torio then um then al capone becomes in a strong position when it's his time to run things he's from chicago absolutely isn't he? yes that's, that's yeah, oh, yeah, that's, chicago, that's, yeah yeah so he's got well yeah, yeah, in, uh, yeah atlantic city and from chicago so Good all round, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, because that's, I mean, that's, it's essentially, at this point, Nucky's already had his allegiance with Chicago, and now he's solidifying it with the next generation of the Chicago uh, gangs, which is, you know, which is Capone. And um, that's where we're going to have to pick up on the next episode. Um, I was like, because I don't. That's how. The, that's how the episode ends, and I love the ending. It, yeah. It, it's it's not a cliffhanger, but it's enough of a taste. It's enough of to like, make, yeah, feel, make you feel pumped for the next episode. Exactly, um, and I and cannot wait. <laughs> yeah, the I mean, the the next episode, the first five minutes of it are as um your regular co-host says, explosive. <laughs> and um, it's it's brilliant. It, you know what? It's 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 straight. As I'm not going to be on the next episode, I just want to say it's it's Godfather esque. The first, the opening yes. scene of next episode is um, stunning, like stunningly shot, stunningly executed, stunningly presented, and it's like taking a leaf straight from Coppola and Godfather and Godfather Part Two. So um, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Like I cannot wait. I cannot wait for it. So um, that's all I have. Um, hey man, thank you. I want to give a big thank you to you, Lazarus, for being on. This has been so much fun. Um, I hope we can have you on again. Like this would be a lot of fun um, if we could work out another schedule to have you on because it's been great. Um, go ahead and hey, if there's anything you want to do a shout out on, like if you have Instagram, uh, if you have on. Um, like anything that you want to do a shout on, give a plug, you know, to our five listeners that we have, by all means, this is your chance to do that. All right. Yeah, sure. man. thank you for having me. I mean, it's been fantastic. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I'd love to come back. You know, I mean, you said earlier, you said uh, you were doing the quotation marks uh, and you were actually doing a podcast. I forgot we were doing a podcast. I thought I was on the phone with some guy from America just chatting about how much I love boardwalk. So it's been a pleasure to be here, man, and to be on. And um, yeah, so uh, I've said I'm a British music, uh, musician from London and I play with um, a guy called Jack J. Hutchinson. Uh, do I get to do a plug? Okay, we have a um, new single out, Justified, and uh, on October 18th, our new album comes out, Who Feeds the Wolf, and it's just good old blit British blues rock, Zeppelin meets Sabbath, so that's my plug. But oh, um, wow. Anyway, Colton, thank you very much for, um, for having me, man. It's been a pleasure, and I really would love to do more. It's been excellent, man. Just love chatting about this show. It is my uh, definitely in my top three shows of all time. Um I'm going to give it a one because I love it, like uh, the number one rank. You know, I think objectively we'll have to talk about this next time. Um, I think Sopranos <laughs> is a way, is just so complex and so fantastically written and done that I think The Sopranos is the best, in my opinion. But I, I, I love, Boardwalk is my favourite because of how it makes me feel every time I watch it. And yeah, the storylines, the characters, the feelings, it's, it's amazing. So thank you so much for having me, man. It's been brilliant. And. I would love to come back and do some more. So thank you. Absolutely. It'd be good. We could try to work something out. Hopefully we could have you, Chris, and on at the same time. That would be That a would lot be of excellent. Fun. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Oh, man, I'd love to do that. So, yeah, thanks, man. Oh, awesome. Yeah, we're definitely going to try to work something out for that. Definitely. Uh, yeah. So I want to thank you again for being on, and I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, next week we have the season finale, Margaret Sands. It is pro. Other than last season, this is going to be a huge finale. I love this episode so much. Yeah, um, it definitely ranks up there with um, "To the Lost." So we'll 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 be talking about that next week, and we'll do a little bit of chin wagging then. Y'all enjoy. I've seen the sun coming up at the funeral.